The Infertility Podcast is a place of inspiration for every season in life, a resource where listeners can be encouraged to push past obstacles and be motivated by individual stories. The premise of infertility is understanding the season you are in and realizing that there are strategies that can be implemented to enjoy a fertile season. Now on with the show. We are back for another episode of the Infertility Podcast. This episode, we have Patty, who will share her story of her miracle child and the importance of mindset during the infertility journey. Welcome, Patty. Thank you so much for joining. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, yes, yes. So before we get started, can you provide any insight about who you are, what you do, any personal or professional highlights that you would like to share? Sure. My name is Patty Hanno. I am a wife um, to my husband, Michael, and I have two boys. Um, They were both miracle children, and we'll get into that in my story. Um, uh, Thomas and Jeremy. Jeremy is my oldest. He's five. And Thomas is my youngest. He's three. Awesome. And a dog named Outback. (laughs) I am a fertility mindset coach and I help women just navigate through this journey um, of uncertainty and sad and all the, all the emotions and all of that, like just have a, a better, more resilient, uh, like, Oh, I'm messing up here. No, you're fine. Uh, more resilient so that they can kind of just, okay, this is happening, but I'm not like stuck. I'm not stagnant. Or, right. Yeah, I'm not a, so like, I'm not about like just mindset and the, I, I, I'm not about just being positive all the time. That's not at all what I'm saying. It's more like, okay, feel the emotions, get all the, the, the sad, whatever's going on, get it out, write it on paper, do whatever you need to do. But at the same time, don't stay in the sadness or the anger or the, whatever the emotion is, try not to stay in that emotion for a long periods of time. I waste so much of my journey feeling sad and just not happy. And, you know, even with not like I went through a seven year journey. So it wasn't wow. like it was a year or six months. It was seven years. And if I had to look back, I wish I had like moments of some joy. Like I yes. did, but I feel like even the joy was sad. If that mm, makes sense. Yeah. And I feel like I've learned some things on my journey towards the end that I wish I would have learned in the beginning. So mm-hmm. I kind of, one of the main things that I want to do is help women get to that point in the beginning or middle or end, wherever they are so that they can just enjoy life a little bit. Yes. It's hard. But you know, at the same time, if I had more things going on and I wasn't thinking about getting pregnant all the time, my life would have been better. Yes. I agree with this. Yes. It's so true. Um, I just thought about it all the time. Like, it, it was something like in the morning I got up, I'm like, oh, is my period supposed to, be? you know, I'm always thinking about when's the next time I have to test for, you know, um, pregnancy or ovulation or whatever it is. And right. Sometimes it's, and, you know, also knowing that like there's times where you can 
say, okay, I'm going to take a month off and I'm not going to do any of I'm that. I'm not going to concentrate on that. Yeah. And, and just take a month where you just get your mind in order so mm-hmm. that the rest of you is okay. Cause sometimes you just need that. Mm-hmm. If you're always focusing on it. It's just so overwhelming and consuming. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't think of what I was going to say. No, you're fine. And we're going to get into it also as we discuss more about what you do and how you help women and and how mindset played a, you know, significant part in your journey. So my first question is, why do you think of uh, infertility or even fertility in general? Why do you feel that it's a taboo subject? I mean, I think even like when we're in school, like we have to go like it, it all goes back to like sex and all that. Like Mm -hmm. it's never something, nobody wants to say, oh, well, I have a problem with my sperm or, you know, it's just, it doesn't feel good. And, and people that don't, aren't going through it, they don't understand. So it's hard to really talk about it. But, um, you know, unfortunately, though, when we don't talk about it, we don't get like the all the information that we need when we're going through it. Like there's so many different things that I learned through my journey that like I've helped my clients realize. And, you know, it would be different if we talked more about it. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and also advocating for medical health. Like mm-hmm. just in general, like asking questions and knowing what questions to ask, because right. sometimes that in itself is really important. And it can mean a difference between one outcome and another. And we'll get into my story and how that like played a role. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Thank you for that. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about your journey. Tell us about your you know, marriage and um, if you want to go there or, you know, just focus on your infertility journey. If you can tell us, take us to that seven year period and what you were going through, um, I think it would be extremely helpful um, for our listeners to know they're not alone. And here's yet another story of tragedy to triumph. And so, Patty, if you could share your journey. I am honored. <laughs> So I got married to my husband in 2003. Um, We waited a little bit. We waited until about 2008 when I graduated college. I was going to school um, online and, you know, just took longer because I was going to school and working full time. So in 2008, I went to the gynecologist and said, well, what do I do now to, you know, prepare my body to get pregnant? And she told me to just take prenatals and, you know, she didn't tell me anything about my diet or anything like that. I mm-hmm. wish she did because diet does play a role. Yes. So the doctors tell you they don't, it does. And I, you will hear my story and how things changed a lot. Um, so um, I was married in 2003 and in 2009, in August of 2009, um, I went to the gynecologist for my regular annual. And I said, you know, it's been over a year. Um, we had started in May of 2008 and we're not getting pregnant. I, I don't know what we should do next. I I'd like to have some idea of what's, what do I do? What's, what do I, what's the protocol? Well, first he had an ultrasound in his office. So he said, well, why don't we take a look and see if there's anything going on in there? And he found a fibroid. Mom. And it took up two thirds of my uterus. Wow. 
Um, yeah, and what was even more wow was him and about three other doctors told me I should not have it removed because it could affect my fertility. And instead, I should just do IVF with ICSI because my mm. husband had some issues with his sperm. Okay. Um, so it was just one of those things like, to me, that didn't make sense. Two thirds of my uterus, I was a big baby. My sister was a big baby. Mm -hmm. It just seemed like my family had big babies. So where's this baby, baby going to go? be? Is yes. It, is it going to be able to grow to full term? You know, all these questions in my head. So I did some research after, um, well, I mean, I saw my gynecologist, I went to the RE, the RE pretty much, well, that's where I found out all this stuff. I did the hysteroscopy. No, the hyster. The I always get them confused. Yes. The <laughs> yes. The SG. Yeah. Where they showed us where, if um, you have anything blocking Lock the tubes. Yes. Tubes. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know exactly, but I think they were saying that there was something there and it was just a whole nother thing. So um, anyway, I, uh, I went, so I saw the, the first RE and there was actually two people in the room. So now this is my second and third doctor that I saw. Um, and they both said IVF and ICSI. Mm. That's how you're going to get pregnant. Don't worry about the fibroid. It'll be okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I didn't like it and I, I wasn't going to go through it with, I'm the type of person I'm very sensitive. So I like to try to protect myself when I know something is, doesn't seem right to me. I'm mm -hmm. very much into like being intuitive. And if my body or something in, in me says, this doesn't feel good. I usually listen Yeah. when I don't listen. I'm usually right. If I listened, you know what okay. I mean? Yes. I understand. Yeah. So I was just like, you know what? I don't, I don't like this. So I went to another fertility clinic and that person said, yes, you should have it removed, but check with your insurance because if you go to a fertility center to have it removed, it may not be covered the mm. same way it would be covered if you went through, you know, a, a, gyne a regular gynec OBGYN and had it done through them. And I said, okay, well, at least somebody's telling me that I'm doing the right thing here. Right. <laughs> so I went home and I don't know exactly when, but I prayed about it a little bit and I went to a vitamin store and in the vitamin store, they had like a little flyer about a, a doctor that was a woman's health doctor, OBGYN. Um, and she dealt with women from puberty to menopause mm -hmm. and she, her specialty was hormones and diet and all that. And she was an integrative doctor. And I was just like, you know what? I just feel like this might be what I need. She does mm -hmm. hormones. You know what I mean? Like maybe she can figure out what's going what's on. What's going on? Why, yeah. Why I have this. So I saw her. She told me that I had an estrogen dominance problem and that's why I had the fibroid. And we did some um, major blood work. I had about, I would say between 10 and 15 vials of blood. Yes, yes. It was a lot. Um, and she told me I had low progesterone. I had low magnesium. Um, there was one other one. I can't remember. But, oh, and I had very high estrogen. Mm -hmm. um, and my progesterone levels were negative, like negative two. Wow. <laughs> really bad. You're, um, just to give you an idea, um, 
if you have a level of 10, this is like a 20 day progesterone test. If you have um, like regular level progesterone, like one, a level that would hold a pregnancy, it would be like over 10, 10 or up. Okay. So for me to have negative two, it was really, really bad. Yes. Yes. So, but unfortunately I had a car accident. So like literally right after finding out all this, um, we were going to look into what the next steps were to get my surgery done, but couldn't do that because I got into a major car accident. Um, not good, but I look at it now as a miracle. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds crazy, but I look at it as a miracle because what happened was I was T-boned and, wow. um, I had, so a car, uh, so two months prior, right around my birthday, a tree fell on my car. I had a grand amp midsize car. And, um, so when I went to have, when I had my accident, I was, I bought a new car and I was in a full size car. I I had a Buick LaCrosse, beautiful car, um, had a lot of safety features. Those safety features saved my life. The EMT told me that that morning, somebody in a compact or midsize, he wasn't sure which he couldn't remember, but, um, she couldn't feel her legs and I could feel my legs. I just had major pain. Like I got hit in the head with the airbag. I had pain in my head really bad. Like I couldn't even touch my hair. It hurt so much. My shoulders, um, my upper and lower back, everything. It was just really, really bad. So, um, and it took me a good four months to, to be okay enough to go back to work. And then about a year before I got rid of my migraines, I was having extremely bad migraines. Um, so I wanted to get all that under control before I even thought about getting pregnant. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so that, um, be, so I began my whole journey of getting rid of this fibroid and all the testing and everything into, in, uh, April of 2011, I had a, um, she did a, I think it was called a pelvic ultrasound. I could be mm-hmm. wrong. And she looked at it. She sized up my, um, fibroid, you know, getting the size and making sure like all the measurements that she needed to have it removed. And then, um, in July around the 4th of July weekend, I had this fibroid removed and oh my gosh, the fibroid had grown. Mm. It was literally, so the night before, actually the day before I was running to the bathroom two, two to three times an hour. Right. Because of the pressure on your bladder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. it was so bad that it, it encompassed, like my whole entire uterus was covered. Wow. And it grew over and and was going towards my bladder. It was two centimeters away. Wow. I was really lucky. The doctor said in a couple, maybe two to three days, if I had waited any longer, I may have had to have a bladder surgery on top of that. Wow. I listened to those other doctors. You would have never taken it out. No. And maybe I would have had to have a bladder surgery and gone on top of it. Yep. So this in itself is just so important to just trust your instincts, trust Mm -hmm. what your body or your mind is telling you, or that like sixth sense of like, yeah, this is not, this doesn't seem right because usually that's, it's right. Right. And so you go through this surgery and the recovery for this type of surgery is not easy. No, it's a, it was, it, for me, it took about eight weeks. Wow. To, yeah. So, and then, um, 
So right before I started my surgery, my doctor put me on a diet okay, um, to kind of help me. She said she wanted me to lo- start losing weight because um, when you're heavier, that's what causes you to get um, higher uh, estrogen levels. So she wanted me to, you know, try to lose as much weight um, so that that I could get rid of the estrogen, the high estrogen. Yes. So because it grew so much, she said that I had the, I was in the one to 3% chance of it being cancerous. Wow. So she, she had to hold me under longer. She thought it was um, cancerous. So she had to hold it under and have pathologists look pathology, look at it and make sure it was right. So I was lucky. I didn't have cancer, but between getting cut open <laughs> And having all the pain and everything, I just didn't want it to go, want to go through it again. You know, it was was enough once. So I was just like, okay, well, what do I do just to get rid of this? I don't want this again. I don't want any part of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm all in as to like, whatever you need me to do, I'm going to do it. So I do everything she says. I I go on this diet, um, you know, no dairy, no red meat, no, um, what was it? No sugar, no gluten and no potatoes. She said, no potatoes. I'm Irish. And she told me <laughs> I was, oh, so that must be difficult. Like, oh my God, this is crazy. But I did it anyway. Cause I, you know, when you want something really bad, you'll make the was, sacrifice. I was just like, you know what? The sacrifice is for a few years. If I can be pregnant and have these kids, that's a lifetime of, of joy with the kids. So right. I, I just kind of focused every time on the kids. So, um, yeah, so pretty much I think that was so to give you a better idea of what I ate instead of what I didn't eat, organic vegetables, organic fruits and uh, like brown rice, quinoa and organic chicken and turkey and everything organic. Organic. Yes. Yes. So that's pretty much was my diet. And in 2000. So then I weighed it. I was kind of in denial. I was like, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm uh, it's going to happen. You know? Oh, Oh, I forgot to mention six months later, I lost between the time of my surgery and six months, I lost 60 pounds. Um, so in that time, uh, I had lost all the weight and I just kept the diet going. You know, I would like once a month, I would have like a cheat day and I, I have just one day where I would eat whatever I wanted. And that was it. Mm -hmm. The only thing I didn't do too much of was sugar because the moment I went on sugar, I couldn't get, go back. Like if you, Oh, I know. I know that because I'm a, I love sugar as well. Sweet. You got to cut it off. It's like a cold Turkey type of thing. And you can't go back. No, (laughs) that's it. So yeah. Um, so that, that lasted, I, I mean, I, I pretty much followed my diet for the most part from like 2011 to 2015, like before I had my first son. Um, So in 2013, I had an, I, uh, um, I was getting ready to do an IUI and, you know, they had to check to make sure everything was clear. So they did a hysteroscopy um, and checked everything. And I think they may have done a, another HSG, but I'm not sure. I can't remember. It's hard to remember all the tests that they have. Yes. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they did because they said, so when she did the fibroid removal, she said there was something else there, but it was something very small and it could easily be removed with a DNC if it was necessary. But she okay. didn't think it was necessary because it was really tiny. 
So, um, and there were like three of them. She said they were, I think it was two polyps in a fibroid or one polyp. The other way around. Yes. Yeah. Either way that, and that was exactly what they found and they removed all of that and that was it. So in that timeframe and, and I, between 2011 and 2014, I was going to her and having my hormones checked because she had me on Prometrium, which is a, um, a, a form of progesterone, but it's like a pill form. It's a natural form. Okay. Um, And you have to have like the hormone tests and everything. So I had, when she went, the only way they can really diagnose endometriosis and PCOS is to actually do like a surgery, like what I did. Okay. um, I had indications of endometriosis and PCOS. So Um, fast forward to when you actually get pregnant, do you do it through IUI and IVF or is that it was natural? Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) I'll I'll tell you the the whole story. So in 2013, when I do the IUI, it fails. Mm -hmm. I also had, um, at the same time I had my dog, I found out my dog that I was really attached to had, um, oh, what was it? Lymphoma, I think. Oh, wow. And, you know, when you go through that, any kind of stress can put like, yes, you know, the outcome doesn't always go so well. Yes. Unfortunately, I don't know if it wouldn't, but I just didn't want to take a chance. So we didn't do another IUI. And then I was in my friend's wedding. So we waited until the end of 2014. So um, right around, uh, I guess, Thanksgiving, I went back to the RE and I said, okay, I want to get started. And they, they did the prep work the end of December and New Year's Eve, I started doing my, my, um, my medications and everything. Okay. And unfortunately that failed. And this is the, the interesting part. The doctor told me that my eggs were terrible. Wow. In her words, not mine. My eggs at 30, I think I was 35 at the time were of like a 50 year old woman. Wow. I did not say that to be mean. That is exactly the doctor's words, like quoted. <laughs> okay. So I was just devastated. I went home crying. I probably cried for a couple of weeks. And then I said, you know, I can't change what happened in January. And this was something that somebody said too. So you can't change what happened, but what can you do differently this next time? Mm-hmm. A better outcome. So I was just, so I just decided to journal it out, journal out my feelings, journal out the I the ideas of what, what I could do, what can I change, what I can't change. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of like focused on the, the parts that I could change and not worry about the other part. And that was kind of like the, the, like the, I want to say almost the catalyst to like making the changes and moving in the direction of um, getting pregnant. Wow. I saw, so my friends, my husband's best friend, friend's sister is a nutritionist and she was friends with like a really good, um, fertility nutritionist. So she gave me some tips. She said, you know, my diet was actually pretty good. I didn't really have to change much. I just had to add a couple things that I didn't know and add a couple supplements. I did those things. So that was probably in the end of mid to end of February. And by the 28th of April, I found out I was pregnant. Wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. So I know that you've talked about this a little bit earlier. 
Um, but what words of like guidance can you give in regards to mindset and healing? Because that played a vital role. Yes, you talked about, um, you know, what you ate, your diet and all of that. But there was definitely a mindset component that comes to that. Even in the diet phase, you know what I mean? When you're changing how you eat, it's all in the mind, right? So what um, kind of words of guidance would you give in regards to um, in regards to mindset and healing? Um, so as far as the mindset, not so much the healing, okay. but in the very beginning of my journey, when the doctors told me I was I had an infertility diagnosis. Mm-hmm. That was the diet. I separated the two, okay. the diagnosis and what was going on with me. Got because, it. Um, so I, well, I used to read when I was like in high school and college, I read Louise Hay and even after. And one of the things that Louise Hay talks about is how your feelings create can and things that are happening to you, like events in your life can actually cause different things going on in your body. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, all right, well, if I, and the, the things that you say and think about create what tr- goes on in your body. So, yeah. I, so the moment I, I said to myself one, once or twice, I said, I am infertile. And I'm like, this doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say this. So instead I said, well, I am fertile. I just need help. Mm-hmm. with treatments, with, um, changing my diet. And I just kind of listed the, the, re- the supplements. Yeah. Yeah. All these things that I can do Yeah, and, and focused on the, not the positive, but the, the things that you can c- control yes. versus the things you can't control and not like going into like, you know, when you, you stay in the sadness, it just creates more sadness. Yeah. Yes. Honestly, like I, I realized that once I stopped feeling sorry, I hate to say it like that, but I, at the time that's, that was what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Once I started not feeling like not, not feeling that, oh, everything is wrong. Nothing is going right. Like what was me? Yeah. I actually like had this, I was reading this book and I met this woman. I don't even remember who it was, unfortunately. And at the same time, I was reading a book and I don't even remember what the book was. But at, but the two together um, kind of made me realize that I could just take a, like a hobby and like do something that I love mm-hmm. and put my heart into that. And then that kind of took some of the not not like... I don't know how to explain it, but like, it kind of like redirected the pain. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So when I was in high school, I was in choir and I loved to sing. And I, I just decided, okay, well, one of the, um, so my choir director had worked with a pastor um, and the pastor was the, the guy, like the one that sang with the guys and she sang with the girls. Mm-hmm. So, and I used to go to church at his church, which was like down the street from our high school. And then he moved and I never found him. And I was just like, you know what, wouldn't it be great if I could find him and then sing with him? You know, we kind of like bringing back memories and I could do something that you love. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, you know, it creates some hope mm-hmm. you know, like with singing. It just kind of, especially like around the holidays and things like it would create hope versus 
feeling sad because I know like Christmas, Easter, all the holidays where you, you would give gifts and things to kids. It would just, it hurt my heart that mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be part of that. So instead of doing that, I just kind of, I felt like, okay, well, I can do this. I can sing and, and, and you know, impact others by singing. And so I did that and I started, oh, I know. I also listened. Um, so K-Love, I don't know if, I think K-Love is an internet channel as well as like a, an actual radio station. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I don't know if they still do it, but they were doing a, um, uh, like a, a challenge, listen to this channel for a month and it'll increase your, um, your happiness and, and just kind of make you feel good. And I was like, well, I, I really need that. And that, that was the catalyst to changing my whole idea of going to church and doing choir and everything, because at a point I was kind of upset with God. Yes. I was mad. Mm-hmm. I had always, I mean, I grew up, I loved kids. I was working seven days a week in high school. I was a preschool teacher. Like wow. a and, on, and then I was working at Discovery Zone on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And then I would play with my cousins at, on, on our trips to Florida every year. So like I was always with kids. So it was just like, what are you talking about? I can't have this infertility issue. Right. You know, so it was just all these things. So that's kind of what, what kind of, what I did, honestly, as I, I dove into music and maybe just finding that hobby, that thing. I know some of the women that I've helped, um, they, they do like knitting or crocheting or yeah, knitting. something to take your mind off of what's yeah. actually happening. Yeah. And I love the fact that you talked yeah. about faith as well. Um, so you talked a little bit about the you know choir, but how else has faith played in your infertility journey? Well, I have a cool story. So mm-hmm. as I'm in choir and listen, like going every week to church and everything, um, I want to say it was one of the the shootings, either the Columbine shoot, one of the mm. shootings, we were talking about it, or it could have been the tsunami. I don't know. Something big happened mm-hmm. in the country and everyone was just really sad and, and everything. And he did a sermon on looking for miracles in everyday life mm. and how he wanted us to just look for little miracles, even the tiniest thing that, you know, is something out of the ordinary to to just look for them. And, you know, that attracts more miracles. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was an awesome thing to, to look at, but I, I was just like, okay, well, <laughs> I want to attract miracles for me. You know, in the end I was attracting miracles for the other women that I was helping. <laughs> Usually that's how it ends up. You start helping other people before your miracle shows up. Well, you know, what's interesting too, here's a, an interesting mindset and maybe some of you can relate. Um, so I used to help women, going through the journey with me, like I was in the different Facebook um, support groups. And one of the things that I would say was like, I would always cheer everybody on if something was going and they would always say, you know, Patty, you're always pot. Like people would always message me and say, you're always positive. What is your, what, what do you, what's your secret? And, you know, I teach them the the different things with the mindset and all that. But one of the things that I said was, well, you know, when you talk to me, everybody around me gets pregnant. So you're going to get pregnant too. And I'm going to tell you, like, I think there was only like two or three people that, that wasn't true. Oh, wow. And I, I didn't, I didn't mean it, but I was just so like, 
that was just how it was. And it was so matter of factly yes. that I say it. And then I realized, and that was one of the, the mindset shifts that I took. I was just like, you know, you say that too much. Mm-hmm. Why do you say that? Why do you say that other people are going to get pregnant, but you're never going to get pregnant? That That's silly. Mm-hmm. What if you did get pregnant? So then I played the what if, get, what if, give, what if game of what if you got pregnant? What right. if? And that got me to this point where I was like, okay, well, maybe I should start visualizing being pregnant. And I, you know, just kind of sitting with that. And so I started doing that. I, I literally um, had a, um, my husband's cousin had a baby and I was holding the baby and I had a picture of it. And I just, so I, I sat with the picture in, on my phone, looking at it. And then I started picturing it in my head. And what, what are the smells? What are the feelings I'm going to feel? What is the room going to look like? What am I going to like? And all of that. And I just started writing it down. And then after I wrote it down, I started like recording myself, reading it back. And I was listening to myself talking and my eyes were closed and I was visualizing it. And the deeper you go with visualization, it's, it's remarkable how Mm -hmm. things, how it is. It's true. Yeah. So that was a change. Yes. This is amazing. All of the pointers, all of the stories are definitely I know it's been helping me and I know those who are going to tune in, it's going to help them as well. So as we close, do you have any words of encouragement, um, any last ideas or thoughts that you want to leave with the listeners that will be tuning into this episode? Um, Well, I wanted to say a couple things really quick. Mm -hmm. Um, So after I had my first son, um, he was actually, so I prayed every year. Um, for a Christmas miracle. Mm-hmm. He was born a week before Christmas. Wow. So prayers can be answered. Yes. And sometimes they take a little time, but yeah. you know, they do happen. And then, um, so when he was 18 months, we, we had to have him baptized late. There was some, we, we moved from New Jersey to Virginia transitioning okay. and everything. So we had a late baptism. I didn't even realize um, that I missed my period and came home and I'm like, you know, I don't think I wrote down my period for last month. I better take a test. And I tested and I was pregnant. Wow. <laughs> so it was 18 months. And the doctor told me I should wait between 12 and 18 months to start trying. Okay. I wasn't even thinking about it. I was going to wait until he was two and then start. Yes. Um, but we got pregnant. So I, my, my main reason for saying that is, you know, things don't always happen the way you want them to. Right. But sometimes they happen better. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Yes. I teared up a little, but yeah, you know, miracles do happen. Um, sometimes we think it's supposed to be a certain way. And when we let go of that, that's when we happen. Yes, definitely. And the timing. Yes. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And and that's just how it was. And like the advice I would give to anyone, just let go, mm. let go of all of, of the control of when, how, and why. Yeah. All of that. Cause once I did that and I had a really good, this is one thing that I realized that I did that maybe could change somebody's life. I don't know. Um, I just, I just asked God, I said, well, you know, if I'm supposed to be a mom, what, why isn't this happening? And then 
and then another moment I, I was like, okay, God, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I, I, I cannot hold any more of this pain. Take it from me. Yes. I don't want it. And if that means I don't get pregnant, then that's it. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like, that happened a week or two before I got pregnant. So sometimes just letting things be, Go. yes, not, not being so emotional and you, you know what I mean? Cause I don't know about you, but it, I feel it in my shoulders. Oh yeah. It's a weight. Definitely. And when I did that, it felt so light. Yes. I felt like a different person. Yes. And I was just like, okay, I guess it's this, this round is maybe going to work because mm-hmm. I feel totally different. Yes. And it really did feel like he took, took the, the weight off my shoulders. Yes. I think a lot of us don't realize that all we have to do is ask mm-hmm. and then wait and receive. Yes. I love it. Thank you so much, Patty. I appreciate your openness and your transparency today. Um, How can we stay in contact with you? I know you do have a a social media page. Um, If you can tell us that information. And so um, my uh, listeners can, you know, get in connection with you um, in the future. So I have a Facebook group called Empowered Fertility Mindset as well as a, um, and I can give you the link tree. Yes. Yes. I'll get all that information from you. I'll put it in the show notes as well. And I have empowered, uh, fertility mindset on my Instagram as well. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook and find me also on clubhouse. Yes. So it's called my, um, fertility mind and health. Awesome. Thank you so much, Patty. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to share your story and share your expertise. And thank you to all of the listeners for tuning in to this episode of the Infertility Podcast. Ciao. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Infertility Podcast. Be sure to connect with me via social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Danielle Joseph or on Facebook, Master Mentor and Minister, or you can visit my website, which is www.iamdaniellejoseph.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.